Praise God. God is a good God, let me tell you. Let me promise you he is a good God. (laughs) Yeah, who believes that? Seriously believes that God is a good God. Ah, I tell you what. Yeah, I would have been done this week without him, let me tell you. I'd be done every day of my life without him, but it's been a difficult week. And uh, praise God. I'm sorry about the tie. I'm sorry, I I apologise. I've got to tell you, I'm a tormented soul. I'm... I'm, uh, I just loathe the things. And, um, and if you tell me you must do this, I just, just think in my mind I will not, you know. And uh, who had to wear a tie when they went to school? That was the rules. You had to wear So I'd do it up crooked and have it loose and, I'd, yeah, anything I could to make it as close to not having it as I could, I would do. And the day that I got, I, I, um, I uh, finished up at school, I should say, that would be the best way of putting it, um, I got my old Webley and Scott 12 gauge out and I shot my tie to pieces. I thought, never again will I wear a tie. And I, I, uh, I've just been feeling the cold this year. I've been wearing a scarf and... And I had a funeral to do yesterday and so suit and tie and my neck was so warm. I said to Pam, I rang her before and I said, bring a tie down. I said, i got a warm neck, how are you all going? <laughs> I, don't, I might not last any more than one week but um, yeah, well there you go. See what happens, praise God. Hey, did you know that laughter stimulates the same part of the brain's pleasure responses as cocaine? Did you know that? Only thing is it's cheaper and legal in most churches, it says. So I want you to know today that it's legal here, okay? You can laugh as much as you like. Uh, As long as you laugh, that'll be okay. I like this quote. This is a Rick Godwin quote. You never really know a person until you, one, hire them. Number two, fire them. Number three, marry them. And number four, tell them no. <laughs> Find out what they're like, don't you, when you've got to do any one of those things. Ah, I love it. Excuses are the nails used to build a house of failure. Pretty true. Pretty true. One more and I'll preach you something this morning. I like this. It uh, says this, It's impossible, said pride. It's quite risky said experience. It's pointless, said reason. Give it a try, whispered the heart. Okay? Sometimes you've got to go with your heart, don't you? Might seem all those other things, but sometimes God whispers in your heart and you've got to you've got to go with that. Praise God. Can we just pray? I always need help. Seriously. Always. <laughs> yeah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Just know God wants to speak into some of your hearts this morning. He's already been doing it. Incredible worship. It was just an incredible communion word this morning. So so spot on for what I'm about to say. And Lord, that's that's you. That's you putting all that together. And, And I just pray, Lord, for an anointing on this word this morning. And 
those that just need encouragement today, Lord, would just hear that from your word as we preach it this morning. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I'd ask you to join me uh, during the week in praying, too, that uh, an incredibly cold snap would come right across Queensland, northern Australia. Be down to five below in the mornings if you could pray that. And we'd be up to 22 and then all the people would come back that are up there. They'd come home. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. So join me in praying that and praise God. Hebrews chapter 12. I've got a very, I've got an incredible title for my message today. The title is, what can we learn from Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1? There you go. That's original, isn't it? Hey, that's just something else. That let me tell you what we can learn. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. I'll hit the stop button and I'll stop there. And so I'll answer the question, what can we learn from uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1? Well, the answer is lots. <laughs> It's an incredible verse of scripture, 12, 1, 2, 3. But um, uh, to do it, I think we need to go back and have a quick look at chapter 11 because chapter 12 begins with therefore. So what we are talking about in chapter 12 is there because of what's gone before in the chapter. And so it turns on the light a bit and, ma and makes it uh, easier to understand what the writer is writing about if we know what happened in chapter 11. So in chapter 11 in verse 6, what does it say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We, we can't do it without faith. Um, works won't please him, you know, and we preach on this a lot. It's faith. And, and not you don't have to be, whoa, this, it's just simple faith in believing that God is... God exists and he's a good God like just that pleases God and then the chapter goes on to talk about all these people Old Testament saints that please God live lives, lives pleading, pleasing to him through faith they, and they, uh, uh, they they did amazing things as you read through the chapter it's quite it's you know an inspiring chapter chapter 11 and um, uh, uh, you know, regardless of the earthly success of the people, um, they all pleased God and finished the race that they had run, although they did not receive the ultimate, because that comes with all of us when we see Jesus. And, and uh, uh, But they, they finished the race. So what I mean by that is uh, take, well, who do we pick? There's so many of them. Abraham, you know, at 100 years of age, or what, a 99, give or take a year or two, who cares? Uh, fathers a child with a, with a wife that was way, 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 way past that ever being possible with. And I, thought, I, I think sometimes God just loves taking us to where it's not humanly possible because then it has to be him. And that's what he did, and they had a little boy, like, you know, incredible. And, uh, and Moses, you know, led a nation from just incredible faith the man had. And, and, and Joshua, uh, the walls of Jericho just got flattened. Like, you know, you think, wow, what men of faith were they? But read the chapter yourselves when you go home. It's a great chapter because as you read through it, 
you start to see that it's not all like that. Some were hunted around and they hid in caves and were tortured and uh, beaten up and cut in two. And that doesn't inspire me this morning. I, I, I would rather be a Joshua than someone that got cut in two, but who knows what the future is, I don't know. But, but, um, but it didn't matter if they were hunted around in caves or they were cut in two. God didn't think, oh no, they failed. The others have succeeded, they failed. It didn't matter. They had faith that God could do what he said he, could, he would do. And, and, and the ultimate was that, you know, Jesus. They still believed that. They didn't give up on that. Even though they died, they still pleased God. And so they finished the race too. And uh, uh, it's inspiring to know that. Like you think, oh, I haven't been like Billy Graham. You do what God's called you to do and you can finish the race strong too, okay? Like it's, it's very, very simple. And, and uh, I can remember it just... You know, I remember the night, I suppose there's some, some things in life you never forget. And I, I still remember getting a call, I think it was 2.30, was it not, in the morning, and, uh, and my mum had passed away at home. And, um, and uh, uh, man, she was a great lady, not because she was my mum. I mean, she had her weaknesses too. She annoyed the life out of me. And uh, just, yeah... Any time I was going to do something wrong, she seemed to know beforehand, Betty, and it was a pain in the neck. But anyway, uh, she was a good lady and a very godly lady. And uh, Mum had suffered severe asthma, not just a little hard to breathe. She was in hospital for lots of my childhood and uh, she would be there for weeks at a time, if not longer, and uh, before they'd ever heard of Ventolin or anything like that. And... Uh, she was just so sick, but she lived all her life. She made it to 69, and uh, the last few years were possibly she was better in health than she was before, but um, she died of an asthma attack in the night. I just remember standing there with her. She had gone. I don't know. You I mean you can't speak to dead people, but uh, you do some strange things sometimes, don't you? And I just, re- just remember saying, you haven't lost, Mum, you haven't lost. You know, she she died believing that God could heal her. She never lost sight of that. She wasn't. She couldn't work out why. She, you know, she'd been she'd been had old Roberts prayed for her, and nothing happened. Yet the guy bef- the guy next to her hadn't walked for years, and he folded up his wheelchair and walked home. So I don't know. You know, I don't understand some things. I don't, and I don't care that I don't understand. Mum just believed that God could. And so it's an incredible chapter and we need... Because that, that helps us see that, you know, like you don't have to be sort of flying over mountaintops to succeed in life. If you're running the race and you're getting there and you believe God can do what he says he can do, man, that's cool. He, that pleases God. Amen? We've got to be ourselves. We really do. So... Um, uh, uh, yeah, well, where are we up to? Chapter 12 now, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, witnesses to the life of faith, uh, I thought I'd ask the question today, how do the Old Testament crowd witness to us? Because uh, uh, some versions and some commentators, some, some commentaries will say, well, they're up there and they're cheering for us, you know, come on, yeah, you know, like a race and you 
like the footy, yeah, push him over, yeah, kick him, that was a goal, you're up there barricading. But I don't think it is like that. I don't, I don't think it is like that. But their lives that have gone, the lives that, that, you know, lives that they've lived, witness to the power of faith and righteousness because, you know, the faith to them was accounted as righteousness. Like with, it wasn't just with Abraham, it was the others too who had faith and believed in God. It was accounted to them as righteous, uh, righteousness. And like that's such a powerful thing, righteousness, Jill. Uh, spoke of that this morning and and uh, so th- you know that, that's the life they live and I think verse 4 of chapter 11 probably says it well and it says it was by faith that Abel bought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So even today when we read that in scripture, we see the faith of the man and that's an encouragement to us. That helps us, you know, that, that's, a, that's a boost to us when we read these things of the Old Testament saints that had gone before. So uh, uh, praise God for that. So the, the rest of the, I should read the verse, the whole verse. I'll read it now to you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So we've already been talking of a race, but clearly the writer of the book of Hebrews under the unction of the Holy Spirit, who is the ultimate author of Scripture, uh, he influenced godly men and they wrote. And uh, so he's likened, likened the Christian journey to a race. And it's not a sprint race, it's a, it's a long-distance one. It's an ultramarathon, okay? So it's not one burst from the blocks when you get saved and, whoa, I won the 50 metres and that's it, it's all over. No, you're running all your life, okay? It's an ultramarathon. And uh, so we run in the race and as we, and, and this is what I see from this verse, as we uh, run this uh, uh, race of life in the, in the uh, you know, with the great example of all the witnesses, the, the Old Testament saints and New Testament saints we got too that went before, uh, as we're running our, uh, our race, and, uh, and I'll interrupt myself, isn't it good to know that? Like, like even now, like you read Revelation, the book of Revelation, and, and I probably believe that book's a lot different than some people do, but uh, your prayers follow you. So because you are deceased now doesn't mean everything you believed and stood for stops. It doesn't. And God honours prayers of saints that have gone before. God doesn't say, oh, now they're gone. That's it. Well, I'll cut that off. No way. And... Uh, the life you lived, I mean, I am still incredibly influenced by my maternal grandfather. Just a godly old man. I loved him and he was such an example to me. He's long dead and gone, but to me, he still has something to do with what I'm doing. You know? like, so you, you live your life for God. It's not wasted. Even if you are deceased one day, it is not wasted. Okay, that's important to know. But as we run this race, okay, the race of life... Uh, there's three things I see that we have to deal with. Unnecessary weight is the first one. 
Sin is the second, and endurance is the third. Uh, a lot of, again, commentaries as you study scripture and uh, a, lot, a lot of them say, well, uh, the weight is sin. And, and when it says, uh, instead of saying, and the sin, it should say, the sin that so easily ensnares us uh, qualifies, if you like, the first part. And so our issues are sin and endurance. But I don't think so. And I think um, Jill's alluded to that, probably not knowing this morning, but it fitted what I was going to say. And that's God. I, I think it is different. Uh, I think it is different. And uh, I want to take some time explaining that this morning. Uh, the weight that slows us down certainly can be sin. Because uh, uh, when you look at it, uh, 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 I, th- I think, uh, you know, unnecessary weight is probably the daily cares of life. And they are not necessarily sin, but they can be. So it can be a bit of both. Um, the daily cares of life can get you worried. Is, worried, is worry a sin? Well, actually it is. Um, if we're worried, we're probably not trusting God as we could. And so technically you'd say, well, it's a sin. Bad attitude can be a, a weight that, uh, you know, slows us down. Is a bad attitude a sin? Yeah, it probably is. But there's sort of things that happen just from being a human living life and they can weigh us down. They're not necessarily deliberate sin that we've gone out and done. That's how I see the difference there. So um, they can be all those sort of things, you know. Uh, daily cares of life, relationships, family, health. Jill covered health this morning. You got crook eyes. You're going to lose them. And I was, you know, I had awful problems a couple of years ago with mine. And I got to the specialist in Albury and went in there. And, and like, you know, I, it, it comes on you slowly. It wasn't like I woke up one morning and I couldn't see as good. It just happens over time. And I got there this day to have, the, have my eyes checked because there was issues going on and, and I'd just be away, away riding my motorbike and, you know, my th- thoughts about life are why would you drive a car if you can ride a motorbike, especially if the weather's good, so I'd ridden up there and they checked my eyes and they said, like, are you serious? Where's your wife? And said, she's home. Who brought you here today? And I said, no one, brung myself. And you drove us and I rode my motorbike. Oh, and he was having a heart seizure, the, the specialist bloke. And he said, you can't even read the bottom line of the eye chart. Like, you, 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 you are legally, you get out of here. He said, you can't, you can't ride home. He said, I'll ring someone up. And I said, you ring someone up and I'll ring your neck. I've got to get home somehow. Like, uh, but I couldn't see. And then he came out with a whole lot of things. And I thought, oh, man, you get in the miseries. Like, I... It took me a while to, you know, like before I said, no, I'm not going to take this. Um, and so before, you know, while I was getting into the mode of, no, Lord, I'm not taking this, that's probably sin. And so, but it comes upon us, doesn't it? Like life just brings up so many things, but it weighs you down. And, um, oh, I've got things down, you know, bad attitudes, hanging on to things from our past that we should let go of. Some things won't go unless we let them go. You know, we've got an old, old belief or something from the past and we hang on, well, I believe that and I'm not letting go. It's crazy, it weighs you down like really, really lots when you're trying to run. Uh, trying to run. 
beliefs, you know, uh, that don't line up with the word of God. Uh, my favourite old preacher, Ray McMartin, whom I know you know well, Jen, uh, Jill, he used to say, uh, 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 he used, well, he used to talk about the saying that we probably don't say it so much anymore, but God said it, I believe it, that settles it. He said, that's a load of rubbish. He said, God said it, that settles it, whether we believe it or not. doesn't make any difference. If God said it, then it's right. And I agree with Ray's philosophy on that saying. But uh, getting involved in issues that don't concern you can weigh us down like crazy. And why do we do that? I, I like Proverbs twenty six seventeen. 17. Uh, message version says, you grab a mad dog by the ears when you butt into a quarrel that's none of your business. <laughs> Isn't it right? <laughs> Sometimes I know people and that's their speciality, getting involved in other people's dramas. They just feed on that. Crazy. Crazy, I tell you, it's not good. <laughs> we know that, Pammy, don't we? We've had, we've had an interesting week. We have had a seriously interesting week. And uh, people threatening to go to grave sites and dig people up and throw them out because they shouldn't be there and, and uh, yelling. And I had a man phone me the other night and as Pam was bringing the phone over, I could hear him yelling from about here to Christy away as she was coming and uh, it wasn't real good. We had Eric and Olga with us and uh, I thought, man, give me a break. And then his wife starts screaming over the top of him in the background and it was sort of, yeah, out here somewhere and, and about something that is nothing to do with me. Then why do you people get involved in things that are just, you know, it's crazy. But it slows us down when we do that and that's what I'm talking about this morning. And Because uh, when we run, we've got to run light. You, you've got to run, if you're running in a race, I mean, if you enter in the Melbourne Marathon this next year and we, you train for it, you don't go down there with an army greatcoat and a set of gumboots, do you? Like, seriously, you don't do that. Imagine you'd be trudging along. And uh, my dad used to run ultra marathons. He's a crazy man, like Melbourne to Sydney, and he still holds the record around the coast road, around the Prince's Highway from Melbourne to Sydney, seven days, five hours or something. And, and you wear running shoes when you go running, and he wouldn't wear them. He says, oh, they'll kill you. They're heavy. Running shoes? He says, feel mine. And you just, there's no, you can't feel them. They're like paper. I don't know what they're made of. They're $300. I mean, uh, back 30 years, 40 years ago, so I don't know what they'd be now. Mortgage your house, I guess. But um, they were so light. It was ridiculous. Because he said, every ounce that you've got to carry in your legs... It adds up and you will have walked to Sydney, you've run to Sydney carrying two tonne. That's ridiculous. He said, you work it out with all the steps. Like, you've got to go light. Everything you wear is light. And to run our life, our life's race successfully in a way that's pleasing to God, it needs to be light. It's no good. Yeah, you're trying to run along and I've got a bad attitude here and I've got... I've got anger strung over that shoulder and I'm involved in some dispute with someone that's got a bag on me neck and then, uh, uh, you know, um, something else going on. It's a pair of heavy army boots I'm wearing and, and you think, How's, how are you going, Daryl? Oh, yeah, well, I'm not making much progress here. But uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be light, 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 light. 
uh, really. And so, folks, I, I, um, I think I resigned this morning from the fact that I could cover three things in one day. I'll do wait today. Then in a fortnight, I'll do sin and I'll do uh, endurance because they're, they're all important. We need to know about them. We've got a very, very special speaker next week and uh, we're bringing in to speak, so you need to be here next week. Uh, can't tell you who that is until the, they appear. They will appear on the day. They will, it'll be, yeah. So you've got to be here next week. Bring your friends. Yeah, it's going to be good. And uh, praise God. But what I love about the Word of God, and, and, and like what I love about God is... You know, you look at all the religions of the world and you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to keep that. You can't do that. You've got to do. You've got to do. You've got to do. You've got to do. Our faith is that Jesus has done it for us. It's so different. And he says, keep my commandments. And, yeah, we need to keep his commandments. The Ten Commandments, yeah, well, they're all rolled into one. Love God, love people. Covers, covers everything. We need to do that. But then he says, you know, like, I'm not just, I'm not just saving you, uh, forgiving your sin. I, I'm putting my spirit into you to help you love me and love people. Like, how, how good is that? It's sort of like having a corrupt teacher at school who says, uh, this is the exam questions. If you look on here, I'll give you the answers. It's like, it's like, how can you lose that? I would have been a great student, you know? Yeah, praise God. But that's what, it, that's what it's like. That's what our faith is about. A God who so cares for us that his spirit lives in us to help us keep the rules. Praise God. It's way, way, way different than anything else. And so his word doesn't... Uh, just tell us what we must must watch out for. His word gives us answers as to how we, how how we may do the watching out. Like that excites me. Okay, I want to tell you about some of them this morning. And so you only come to the very next verse to find the um, the first one. Uh, and and you know we could read the um, uh, the. Two verses together. Let me read uh, 12.1 again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, let us take off, get rid of every weight that slows us down and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And then uh, verse 2, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. I think the NIV version says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I love that. I love that. One of the most powerful things you can do to handle weight is fix your eyes on Jesus. It's it's just it's such you know what do I say? Does anyone here? <clears throat> this is probably going to age everyone. Well, the most damaging thing is it'll probably age me. But um, does everyone anyone here that's been a Christian for a fair while 
remember that lady singer Twyla Paris? Remember her? And uh, and there was I, I can't remember anything about her. She could walk in here today and I wouldn't know who she was. I don't know what she looks like. I don't know where she... I know nothing but she had a song on one of her CDs and it was Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. And I remember when I first came down with type 1 diabetes, it just wrecked me. Just absolutely wrecked me. I just couldn't cope. And uh, I could remember just nights after night, I just listened to one song, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. Sometimes it's the only thing you can do. But it's such a powerful thing to do. Who's ever, with a child, done something to distract them? You know what it is? Like lollies, a cuddle or something? Yeah, oh. Here, Pop, give you a hug. That'll make it better. Oh, yeah, and the pain just disappears, doesn't it? And and, uh, a little little granddaughter last week in church, and she had a severe crash, and it was like the world, her life was nearly at its end. And, oh, darling, (laughs) I said, you think a jelly bean might help? It's all gone, magical, you know. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? Who's, Who's ever tried to get... Your kids, <coughs> without mentioning anyone, to, to eat their veggies. Has that ever been an issue with you? Yeah, and so we're not looking at anyone, are we? <laughs> Down the back on the right, yeah. We um, put it on a spoon. Woo, look at this. Woo, oh, yeah. Here's another one. Oh, yeah. It's whatever it is, but you, you try and distract them. And I, it's probably a silly point, but seriously, in, in amongst the, the cares and the stuff that happens in life, if we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, that, that's a great distraction from what's going on around us. We see reality there. We see love, mercy, grace and truth. And we'll never see it looking around at the circumstances. So that's the first thing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Number two, put Jesus first by seeking him first. And see, you know, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus covered this so well. Don't be anxious about all the, the, just the, the day-to-day things, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, where you live, all that stuff. He said, like, I know that you need all that stuff. I already know that you need it. And uh, so what does he tell us to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. I'll, I'll look after them. You, you look out for me and I'll look after them. It works, folks. It works. It works. We were given that verse on a card at our wedding and we just made a decision that was going to be us and, and it's never failed, Pam, has it? It has never, ever, ever failed. And so put him, put him first by seeking him first, whatever you do. Number three, cast all your care on Jesus. First Peter 5, uh, 7 I think verse 6 really is good to read before verse 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your care, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's just a great verse. I remember reading or quoting that verse to a lady from the ABC that was interviewing me one day and she nearly got tears in her eyes. And I, yeah, that's not me reading a verse. It wasn't that atrocious. It was, uh, they just sense the Spirit of God in there and they can't keep that out. 
It's an amazing thing, you know. And uh, so uh, the devil will say, you're sick. Don't run too fast. You might overdo it. Just back off a bit. Anything to disrupt your race. Maybe the devil doesn't say it. Maybe your best friend does or someone you know. Watch out for who your friends are and who you let close to you. The people you let close to you need to be people that will encourage you and will speak the truth to you in love and the word to you. Okay? And that, that needs to be the case. So if he, if he says you're sick, just say Jesus is my healer. Amen?